Wait, did they just say one in three adults has pre-diabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. Well, good evening. Good evening. Good morning. And welcome to Saturday in the Studio. I'm Tom King. We are going to have an interesting show today because here in the studio, live in the studio, we have Merle Kelch and we have Alan Haugam together as we celebrate Merle's 20th anniversary here on WSAU this morning. This is just amazing. You know, the only thing that's really different is, well, I got heavier, maybe, and, uh, my beard got grayer. Uh-huh. Otherwise, yeah. it's the same BS. You know, same three chords, you know, just like they say. <laughs> same three chords that a band, band, can be, if a band <laughs> yeah. played it 20 years ago, so, yeah, you can play it now. Chords, well, I was going to ask you that. I mean, we'll get into that maybe a little bit later, how things have changed over the course of, of your career. But first, I want to I want to gripe. I want to give you a little bit of a, a gripe of mine yeah. that 20 years ago, you didn't tell me to buy Google. You didn't tell me to buy Amazon. You didn't tell me to buy Netflix. Uh, you yeah, but know, you're also wearing a Boston Red Amazon, Sox hat, too, at that point. You didn't tell me to buy Amazon. What good are you? Well, it's uh, amazing, Tom. It's 20 years ago. They didn't exist. Okay. You know, to be fair, I, I told Tom to get a will 20 years ago, and, you know, that, I'm finally getting around that might to still it. be on the to-do list. So I think you're off the hook, Merle. Finally getting around to it. Hey, the Pretty phone good, lines man. are open here today. If you have a question for either Merle or Alan, Alan, of course, uh, an expert on estate planning law and uh, elder law, and Merle, of course, an expert on the, the markets in your portfolio and, and how to make a zillion dollars. I'm not really sure if I'd use the word expert uh, with my name. Okay. All right. Well, um, BSer, maybe. I'm, I'm pretty good at that. I've been doing that for a long time. 715-845-2155 is the number to call here. How is the, how is the world that you inhabit, the, the world of investments and the world of elder law and estate planning law, changed in the last 20 years? What are the biggest changes that you had to deal with and how have how have you accomplished that? Yeah, what's amazing, Tom, is when I look at this, and, and Alan, you might be able to actually interject. Really, nothing is different. It's just faster. I mean, um, when I started out, you know, in this business, and I first started doing radio, was about the time that the whole internet bubble is coming around. And as it's coming around, people said you got to buy stuff in the internet because it's great. And you know, being a whitewater guy, and uh, I, they always said, you know, if you're going to invest in the company, make sure they make a profit. And, you know, people go, a what? You know, so you look at, you know, P.E. ratio, which is profit divided by earnings. And they said, well, it's nil. What does that mean? Is that good? That means no, there's none. What's interesting to me is we look at it this past year, and guess what's happening again? Well, I don't, look, it doesn't make money, but it's a unicorn. It's going to be great. Well, does it make money? No. Well, it, we've, we've come yeah, around full circle. Yeah, they, they always so say, yeah, thing. it hasn't Exce made money yeah, yet. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Except that it goes faster because you can actually trade from your phone, you know, using Robinhood and a couple of different uh, trading platforms. And so, for me, everything's the same, just faster, except I think slower. You? <laughs> no, I think with us, I, I think it's uh, a lot of that is the same. You know, the uh, uh, just the speed of information and, and things like that. And I think some of it, too, is... Uh, some of the for us it's the tax laws you know the tax laws just dominated 20 years ago i mean that was the primary concern for everything and that really has uh, has gone away in favor of um, probably health care 
health care, mm-hmm. and how do you protect yeah, yeah. what you have if you have a health issue? Well, just wait. This new proposal is going to change the state laws again back to uh, everything. Everything that's old is going to be new again. <laughs> well, you talk about the tax laws changing it. It used to be everything you could write off. Now you, most people just use the standard deduction, so these tax laws tax laws don't really apply to most people these days, right? You know, and it has been. Yeah, there's a lot of the uh, the income tax uh, on an annual basis. I, I, I agree. You know, it's ninety something percent people uh, do not qualify for itemized deductions. Yet we talk about them all the time. The, uh, and on the estate tax side, you know, it used to be a $600,000 uh, estate mm-hmm. tax limit, not exactly 20 years ago, but but in that region. And uh, and then it was six seventy five. literally 20 years ago, it was a $675,000 estate tax limit, and now it's uh, $11.5 million. I mean, it, it really has changed. Can you imagine how many people were actually af- would be affected today from the 600000 mark? Oh, I it, mean, it, yeah. It'd just be huge. And so... Um, would you be surprised if we saw it come back down to the 600,000 mark? I would be stunned and I would probably fall over. I, I don't think that's ever going to happen personally, yeah. but would it ever come back down? Yeah, I think it's, well, it's, I, one, I it's, think it's being proposed right now. Yep. Actually. Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, that is certainly a possibility. So we still plan for it, but it's one of those where it's kind of a contingency plan, not the primary plan. <laughs> All right. I see the phone is lighting up here. So let's see if we can get the phone system to work today. Good morning. Who are we talking to? Kate. Hey, Kate, you're on with the gang. What's your question? Can you explain, or is there a difference between a financial planner, a fiduciary, and a stockbroker? So many people use that. They think they're all the same, and I don't agree. Um, did you catch the question? Did you hear it at all? No, I got the okay. uh, financial planners. They all the same. You can repeat it. Okay, so i got to repeat this because uh, Alan and I have, uh, we should just you know, share headphones, you know, like uh, the old days. <laughs> We're sharing Zoom headphones. Ones. It's a really big set. It's a really wide set of now, headphones. Yeah, we don't sharing. have much social distancing going on here today, but yeah. uh, go ahead. So, you know, one of the things that the big thing, and it, and it really started out a number of years ago, the, uh, the government came out, not FINRA or the SEC, but they came out and said, well, we're going to you know make sure people are a fiduciary. So, so there's not like a, a class that you go through and you take a you know certain amount of things and you say that you're fiduciary and that's a big thing in our industry. If you have anything to interject, and, and you know, and I contend that anybody in this industry has been around for a long time, you're always doing the best thing for your client. I mean, that's part of your thing. So, is that a definition of a fiduciary? I suppose there's something more. Uh, I know the court system. If you're doing a fiduciary for a trust account or something of that nature, it has a different type of an animal, but. But everybody's trying to say, well, I'm a fiduciary, not a fiduciary. And I always make the, the joke and say, was there something on the wall that says you're a fiduciary? Is there a secret ring? Is there a handshake? You know, what are the case? If you get people doing the best thing for your job, and I think that's the way it's supposed to go. Now, this past year, we have a new thing called Regulation BI, or they call Reg BI, which um, we have to go through and answer all these questions. And it's just such a moving thing. You you answer the questions for Reg BI, and this has nothing to do with uh, – you know, what side of the fence or stuff you're going on. So I'm just kind of being funny about that part. But this Reg BI, you have to answer all these questions. Why are you doing it? Why did you do it? Is it the best expense for a person? And I think it all tries to form around and saying, are you a fiduciary? But nobody ever has like the fiduciary class or fiduciary what to just say that you are. You want to interject on that, Alan, from a fiduciary standpoint? You know, it's the kind of thing uh, from the fiduciary side, from the, the legal side. The attorneys have been and always have been fiduciaries. So uh, for us, we, you know, the more people we can bring to that party, we're fine with it. But you're right. It's it really just is holding you to a higher standard. So it's, uh, you know, in the legal side, it's almost as if saying there's a a big range of of different outcomes for you and uh, you can recommend any of them and, and be satisfied up until you're a fiduciary. When you're a fiduciary, then it is a much higher standard about saying this is exactly why this one is probably the best for you. So, um, so let me scrutiny. ask you, Alan, and uh, 
in a legal profession, if somebody says, well, I'm a fiduciary, how do you become a fiduciary? Is there, is there a class or certificate decoder ring? No, it's, uh, I, there really isn't. And I think you're right. I think it's, it's, uh, from the legal side, I think most of that, uh, it comes from the court system, uh, and, and just their opinion of it through the years, you know, as we go through the years, it, it is, uh, you know, can you hold something up to the highest and best standard? And it just says that, uh, again, instead of just having a range of outcomes and anything within this wide range is acceptable, um, you really have to get it, it narrower and narrower and narrower toward the, the, the very best of that. So I'm not offended by the fiduciary standard. You know, it's what we probably all should strive for. But I agree with you. It, it's completely there, – there is no just perfect definition of right. it. Right. And, and that's the unfortunate part about it is because somebody can say I'm a fiduciary, but yet um, the person across the street is doing the exact same thing and doesn't say, well, I'm not a fiduciary. But there, there's no – class guideline you know have to do with this just holding yourself to the higher standard which i think that the new reg bi which happened this past june um is bringing people to that and you know what and and as a result of all of this i think it makes the industry better as a result but boy is it making it confusing for people because some people are trying to use this in my opinion as a big marketing scheme um and and so just make sure you're working with somebody who's who's uh you know, holding her head above water, giving you all the information and, and uh, to the best you can, not trying to give you some sort of a sale job. And I think that um, uh, uh, could be the, the better for everybody if that's the case. Um, many years ago, um, I, I was told that a financial planner does not sell a product. You pay them by the hour to advise you. Agreed? Um, yes, no. So here's what's interesting in our industry is there are people that can go out there and say, I'm a financial planner or a fee-based financial planner, where they'll charge you some sort of an hourly fee to put together some sort of a financial plan or an investment for you. Um, and then as a result of that, you would have people that would say, okay, great. Uh, so now where do I get these investments done? Well, we'll go someplace else. And so the, the whole thing in this world used to be, well, if you don't trust them to do the investments, why would you trust them or pay the money to do the plan? So then there you had a bunch of planners that would charge you a fee for doing a financial plan. And they say, well, we'll take care of the investments for you, too, if you want to. And then they'd still end up earning a commission or a fee. Many years ago, California went through and said, if you're going to call yourself a fee-based financial planner, you have to get rid of or, or turn in, essentially shut off all of your licensing that you have, whether it's insurance or securities licensing. Less than 1% of those that called them fee-based financial planners did that. Uh, because, uh, you know, they weren't making any money just doing the fee-based stuff. And so the fee-based financial planners that don't sell a product, uh, I'm sure there's some that are still left that are out there. Uh, there were a few that were in town that I thought were actually pretty good. Um, but largely, uh, it, it doesn't exist because it still ends up happening. And so hopefully this Reg BI and the information that comes up uh, forces them to disclose how it is that they're making their income. All right. Thanks for the Yep, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. 715-845-2155 is the number to call. I think we've all seen the television ad from one of the big brokerage houses talking about how they're a different animal, how they do things differently than other people. And uh, a lot of it se sounds like they're talking about being that fiduciary. Uh, and the definition, I think, of fiduciary is the client's needs are al always go first before anything else, right? Is that basically yeah. the definition? Um, isn't that... In, like the ad says, isn't that how everyone should work it, but it's not that way? Is that what sure, you're telling me? Sure. You know, what, one of the things that, and, uh, you know, compliance department, hello, compliance department, I'll make this sound good in a minute. They'll be listening next week. Um, you know, in, in our industry, 
Um, it used to be for a long time. For I'm just going to pick on annuities for a month. That if you had annuities that had surrender charges, that was bad. You couldn't have any. So the industry spins around and makes annuities that don't have any surrender charges. So if you don't like it in six months, you can take your money and do something else. And now it's completely switched to the other way. Instead of you have something that doesn't have surrender charges, the internal fees are too high, so you can't have that. Now you have all these long surrender charges before. And I've always been a, a, a person who's contended that well, let's choose a thing that's best for the client. I mean, which ones are best for the client? Sometimes having a little bit higher fee but having the flexibility they might need in three or five years is better than if we have a lower fee now, but they can't change anything and something changes in their life. And so I've been, always been a bigger fan that the fees don't matter. It's how much a person earns. There's been study after study that have been done and saying, do mutual funds or investments with less fees make more money? And the answer is usually no. It's the ones that had the best investments. And the unfortunate part of that is, is that I think the industry has turned to the point that said everything's got to have least fees. And well, that's not it. Sometimes you have to pay a fee for a particular product or a service or a feature of a particular investment that you may want to have um, for, you know, example, for estate planning stuff. And we talk about that a lot of times with you know, with annuities, certain annuities will do some really crazy stuff that we, you know, do an a la carte and we check the box and we take something that causes a little bit more of a fee, but it'll save a mountain of problems later on. And, and I think we, we get so tied up with what's the cheapest versus saying which one is the best. Um, the, one of the latest ones I see today on this are ETFs. Everybody wants to buy an ETF, but they don't understand what's on the inside. And that's where on this program, we said for a long time, know what's inside of the ETF because they're, they all have some differences to them. And, and yes, are they less expensive? Sure. But one, you're on your own. You're figuring it out on your own. Um, or you're paying some sort of a management fee to have an advisor do that ETF. And so if the ETF is really cheap, and I'm making up a number here, folks. Let's say if this ETF is 0.3 of a percent. That's a really inexpensive ETF. You say, well, look, my ETF is only 0.3 of a percent. Well, who helps you with it? Well, XYZ advisor um, or planner. Well, how much do they charge for that? They only charge me 1%. Well, then it's 1.3 when you put them both together. And so people just don't realize and, and how all that stuff goes together now. And, and part of the regulations, I think, always comes through and say, well, what's the cheapest? And cheapest and is the best. The best is the one that gives you the best rates of returns and has the features that you need um, as you uh, go through retirement. And I think that's the, the better direction to go at it. Um, I don't know. No, I completely agree with that. I literally had this conversation yesterday with a client who was looking at life insurance and said, I can get the same life insurance coverage through the Internet for a, a lower cost. And I said, well, the, all of the things that that life insurance is meant to do for you and for your family over the next 10 years, 20 years, or lifetime, there are things that are going to change with it. And from our experience, from 20 plus years of doing this, there is an immense difference in the customer service and the, the, the maneuverability, what you can do with those things if you have a, a more well-rounded, just kind of better platform. And mm -hmm. it is not the lower cost, from what we've seen, has really has not been uh, um, a, a victory at all. Lower cost, in any instance, it becomes lower usability. Right. Is what we find. All right, let's go to the phone here this morning. Good morning. Who are we talking to? Richard. Hey, Richard, you're on with the gang. Go ahead. Morning, Richard. Yeah, uh, I'm talking about uh, bonds. Would you buy, uh, obviously, I'm going to be buying short-term bonds. Would you buy specific bonds, government bonds, or, or buy an ETF? How, how would you practically invest in bonds right now? You know, Richard, I bond prices are coming down. They're still not quite where I want to. And just a, a, just a, a backup, and Richard, you hit upon it, so I want to make sure everybody knows. Um, bonds and interest rates work inversely. So when interest rates go up, the value of bonds come down. And because the tenure has been rising over the course of the last month or so, um, bond prices have been dropping, which, of course, is causing a lot of shakiness for a lot of people who are bond buyers or bond holders. 
So, so with that being the case, um, we're starting to find some price that we like. For example, I don't think I've bought a physical bond for a client in three or four years because the prices have been so high. I haven't been able to get the yield that I wanted inside of bonds, and I haven't bought individual bonds. So, so with that, if you're going to buy bonds right now, my opinion is you're better off buying the individual bond versus buying it inside of an ETF and a mutual fund, and here's why. So if you have an ETF, probably not so much there, but certainly inside of mutual funds with bonds, the bond manager or the manager of that fund or ETF is trying to maintain a certain type of yield, and they might be buying and selling bonds along the way to try to maintain a certain yield or an interest rate that people are taking payouts from. And as a result of that, they're buying and selling as interest rates are going up, which means the bond prices are coming down, and they're probably losing money on the bonds to be able to do that, which means the loss is going to be passed off to the fund holder or ETF holder. So one, you can actually have a loss and still have to pay taxes on the capital gains and a loss along the way instead of bond funds. And there's only a few short periods of time that that happens in the uh, macroeconomic cycle, and now is pretty much one of those. So I would prefer to have a person go out and say, well, let's go out and pick up a, a, an individual bond or an issue or two. Um, and this is the time where I always recommend to people, if you're going to buy some bonds, like say you're going to buy XYZ company or corporate bond, uh, buy about 25000 worth, nothing less. And the reason for that is if you want to go sell the bond later on, and let's say six months or a year or two years on the road, it's easier and faster to sell 25000 worth than if you buy one or two or 5000 worth because a lot of fund managers don't want to, they don't want to contend with the 1000 or 5000 stuff because it's too small, and you end up losing a lot of price on that. So just a recommendation on that. But I think using looking for a good quality individual bond right now is better than using a fund or an ETF because of that reason of the rising interest rates. As always, I appreciate your information. All right, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. Where of telephone scammers pretending to be government employees. Real Social Security employees will never threaten you. Call is threatening you with arrest or other legal action and demanding money are not from us. If you receive a call like this, hang up. Do not provide them with any form of payment or information. Report the call at oig.ssa.gov. The opinions voiced on this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your attorney, accountant, financial advisor, or tax advisor prior to investing. This show contains forward-looking statements that may not come true. Securities and Investment Advisory Services offered through HBEC Incorporated, member FINRA SIPC, HBEC Incorporated, Kelch & Associates are unaffiliated companies, and this program is intended for Wisconsin residents only. And we're back here in the studio. I'm Tom King in the studio this morning with Merle Kelch and attorney Alan Haugam. It's the 20th anniversary of Merle's appearance here on WSAU. This is a short segment here before we head to the news, but uh, and the phone lines are open. Uh, I think we started the show during the week. It was on during the week, like on, on a Thursdays, Wednesday or thir- Thursday. Thursday. Yeah, Thursdays. And I got a story with this. Um, Alan, I think this is actually prior to you coming on, on board uh, doing the radio program. There was so. nothing prior to me, Merle. <laughs> <laughs> so we're sitting at the old studio, folks, and this is one of my funnest more funner? Is that good? Funnier. How's that? Fun, yeah, funnier? Fun. Yeah. Super fun. So the other studio folks, um, all the desks were higher. So you're essentially sitting on bar stool um, height stools. And uh, I like to stand when I do the program. Um, my knees just won't let me do it anymore. 
I've been doing this business now for 200 pounds. <laughs> and it, <laughs> okay. So, so and, and folks, what I do is I bring a great, you know, one of the great big liter bottle of Aquafina waters. And I was always prepared when I did the radio show, not like donuts and coffee, literally, that we're having today. Um, so I'm doing this show and I'm talking and Pat Snyder's in front of me. Tom King's down the road a little bit. And at the time I had one of my assistants in the office. We're talking and whatever it was. I go through and I hit the water bottle and it pours right into my crotch. And it's soaked all down my legs. And I got to keep talking because I'm live. And I look over some port and there's Tom and Snyder and uh, Chris is next to me. All their heads are bobbing on the desk laughing. And all I got to do is keep talking. And it was cold. Man, that was just... I did not look cool, and this whole thing was done. It was, it was just it, all you could do was laugh. Was Most radio professionals up. will have be have been tested like that, either oh, by sure. having something poured on them or the old the old way back in the old days before there were smoke detectors in every building was that uh, you would light the newsman's uh, copy that he was reading on fire, and to see how he reacted to that. You're not supposed <laughs> to break up. You're supposed to put the fire out and still read the news like nothing happened. It's sure. all part of the interview process. That's right. That's right. That's right. All right. Um, I tell you what, we need to take a break for some news. So we're going we're gonna to come back. We'll tell more stories and uh, we can take your phone calls. Uh, this is a regular show. So we'll answer your questions, whether they be uh, financial, whether they be legal. Give us a call here today. We'll be right back. At Social Security, we are always thinking of ways to save you time and make things easier. That's why we created My Social Security. Opening a My Social Security account gives you secure access to your personal record and interactive tools tailored for you. You can see if you are eligible to receive benefits, view spousal benefit estimates, and compare retirement benefit estimates at different ages or dates when you want to start receiving benefits. We have to be different than this. WSAU and WSAU.com. And we're back here in the studio. I'm Tom King, along with Merle Kelch, Kelch and Associates in Wausau, Alan Haugam, Haugam Law Firm here in Wausau. 20 years of Merle on the radio, and uh, the phone lines are filling up here, so let's go to the phone this morning. Good morning. Who are we talking to? This is Nancy. Hi, Nancy. You're on with the gang. Go ahead. Happy anniversary. Well, thank you. Um, I'm interested in getting some more information about starting an education fund for my grandchildren. I'm getting my first two this year. Hey, congratulations. Fantastic. Thank you. Um, so we got some weird stuff going on here. I got to, sorry, I'm going to have to post, there we go. Let's stop the whistling. We good? So we're sharing yep. uh, headphones and microphones here. And so we got a little bit of whistling. So, so Nancy, I think one of the best places to do uh, putting money away for kids is using what's called the 529 plan. So right. a 529 plan, is it, the number just comes from the Internal Revenue Code document stuff, and don't worry about that. But the 529 plan, um, every state has one. You can use any state, and the grandkids can eventually go to school in any state. So um, from that, um, I can say that there's some states that are better than others. I'm a big fan of uh, Alaska's 529 plan. I can't tell you who manages it and all that sort of stuff. He's been saying that for 20 years. I mean, it's we talked about be- that 20 years ago. That's because there's still the I, best one out there. I have and, heard you talk about the yeah. Alaska 529. So, and here's why. You know, it used, to, it used to be, and it's gotten a lot better. But what states would do is they would just simply say, okay, we're going to have uh, uh, one family. And I can say Wisconsin's because the fund family is no longer here. Wisconsin started out and said, we're going to have the strong funds manager 529 plan. So when you invest in the 529 plan in Wisconsin, you only use the strong funds. And many other families or states did the same thing. What Alaska did is they said, well, we're going to do a 529 plan, but they've literally got like a dozen fund managers, and you can choose different stuff on the inside. 
And for me, their performance has been stellar, and they do it for an inexpensive fee, and it works out well. Now, if you use Alaska's 529 plan, you don't save the few bucks you do on state income taxes uh, what you would with uh, Wisconsin. So Wisconsin, if you do a 529 plan, I think the dollar amount's $3,000. You save a couple hundred bucks in tax. You, you do, but but I think you make up for that with just the quality of product that Alaska has inside of their 529 plan. And I think that's the uh, just the key. Now, the beautiful part about it is you put it in there, and as long as they use it for education later on, and as Alan can attest, buying a Corvette for school is not a qualified educational expense. Right. But they'll try it. Um, but as long as it comes out for a, a qualified educational expense, it comes out tax-free. And the benefit of that is just huge to have that money grow for school. Great. Um, do you feel like there's going to be any law changes with this new administration that will change saving? I have for- not read anything. And if I had to take a guess at it with the nature of the current administration, they're not going to change anything in regards to education. Great. I okay. appreciate your advice. All right. All right. You're Thanks. Thanks for the Thank call. Appreciate it. 715-845-2155. Right back to the phone we go. Good morning. Who are we talking to? Hi. This this is Lucy calling. Hey, go ahead. Hi, Lucy. I have hi. I have a question. My husband and I had a trust at one time and my husband has since passed away and unfortunately after his death, when I transferred our securities over I put them all in my name, and so now our trust has very little funding left. I'm wondering. I'm, you know, a single person. I do have two children, and I'm wondering, do I need to transfer all of my things into the trust? Is there any advantage of me, a single person now, having a trust? Yeah, I think, Lucy, uh, this is Alan. Uh, the, The benefits... Are, are, are most of the trust benefits come when the second spouse passes away. So it, it was a great job to get that created while your husband while the, while your husband was living. And then when he passed away, uh, like you said, you know things come to you. That's really the, what we would call the maybe the easier part. The, the benefits of the trust are really after the second spouse passes away for a couple of reasons. One is, if you do it right, you can avoid all probate, not only for those securities, but really for every category. So I would say that's number one. And then the second thing is how it gets transferred to the children. So if you give things to children and you say, well, uh, we're going to give things to kids and it's just going to be in their name. Well, if, if you don't go through the trust at all, then uh, for the most part, those are just going to be available to your children's creditors or if, if uh, one of your children was ever unexpectedly divorced or any of those kinds of things. If you send them through your trust, you can manage those things and you can actually protect the kids. And depending on how the trust is set up, maybe even protect you if you had something like a, a medical issue or long-term care or any other kind of creditor. So, yeah, there's still a lot of benefit to the trust and probably more so for you than it was even when it was joint. Oh, well, that's that's interesting because I didn't know, you know, and I am concerned about passing, you know, depending on how long I live, um, passing my assets on to my children. And I would like, you know, for my natural children to inherit rather than their spouses. Maybe my grandchildren naturally would would inherit something, but I'm mostly concerned about passing my assets on 
to my children. Yeah, I think with, with that kind of a goal, Lucy, um, I, I think that's you are spot on. That is one of the primary benefits of setting that trust up correctly and having those securities go through the trust when you pass away. Um, and again, make sure you do this with your uh, estate planning attorney. Make sure that they, they go through that and confirm all of those things, exactly what type of securities you have and how it's set up. But I, I would certainly have that conversation. I think now is the time to do that. So it's, a, it, it, it's, it's great that that's on your mind because I think you're spot on. Yeah, well, the reason I had an attorney, but unfortunately he retired and I saw someone else and that other person said it didn't make any difference. You know, if I don't use the trust... It just goes away, and well, they I might do. be for that. Might be for the probate purposes. Um, okay. And and again, it depends on the attorney you talk to. It depends on their expertise and their experience and and what they do. What, but uh, there are certainly. Uh, uh, some things that um, maybe if you talk to someone a little bit more specialized in that area, uh, sounds like that sounds like you should give Alan a call on Monday. It, it, I'd say someone, either either me or that rhymes with Haugam would okay, probably be a good all right, idea. Thanks for, thanks for the we'll call. Appreciate you, it. Have a good morning. 715-845-2155. Back to the phone we go. Good morning. Who are we talking to? Hello. All right. Let's try this one. Good morning. Who are we talking to? Hi, this is Jeff over here in Stevens Point. Hey, Jeff, go ahead. Morning, Jeff. Hey, um, I just woke up a little bit ago, and I was hoping Alan was going to be on this morning, and I was kind of cheering. Um, here's my question, Alan, for you. Um, I'm trying to complete my mom's taxes for this prior year, and my mom had been in a nursing home, actually assisted living. She had been under hospice care from March all the way through December. The question is, how does it work using the cost to pay for her care for the monthly care, which is about $4,700 a month, um, towards her taxes? Of course, she had no income. All she had was Social Security and then a very tiny pension of less than $100 a month. How does that work in, in that case, Alan? Well, First of all, can I say this? Jeff, my feelings are hurt. That you want to talk to Alan? Oh, I I, I, I listen to you guys all the time. Mer- Merle's got is... one single tear running down his, his cheek right now because you. No, it's, it's maybe you can think of a question for Merle while Alan's giving him the answer to this one. I love all you guys, by the way. So go ahead. No, Jeff. Uh, you know, really, with the the income tax and, and trying to do your mom's twenty twenty income tax return. Obviously, we would say th- this is one. I think for any uh, tax returns in general, a CPA is going to to help. I think for the final okay. income tax return that any person has, I think a CPA is almost imperative. I, I would just say, you know, get a CPA, have them walk you through those. Generally, what happens with the medical expenses and obviously with assisted living and long-term care and, and nursing home care, if you don't do any protecting of anything ahead of time, then you are going to have uh, uh, much much larger bills. And what those do is once you get above the the minimum threshold or that, yeah. that floor deduction threshold, this might be a... a a place where you are going to be over that standard deduction, where you could itemize right. her deductions. And then what it would do is it would work against her income. The problem you have is she doesn't have a lot of income uh, that that it's generally not going to be a credit. So you get mm-hmm. to you might be able to wipe out a, a significant portion of her income, a, maybe the biggest portion of her income. But once you get past that, you don't get credit and they don't send you a, a, a refund check. 
So I think it's one, get to the CPA and I think just do it for your, you know, just your peace of mind sake and, and make sure that you do everything the right way. We don't want the IRS to call you back three years from now and have some questions. Just, you know, have I them professionally you. do it. But I, I think you should be able to wipe out most of the income with that. Okay, All right. Okay, thanks, guys. Yep, thanks for the call. Appreciate thanks, it. Yeah. Hey, we need to take a break here. We'll come back with more. If you have a question for Merle or Alan, give us a call here this okay. morning. We'll be right back on WSAU. The opinions voiced on this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your attorney, accountant, financial advisor, or tax advisor prior to investing. This show contains forward-looking statements that may not come true. Securities and Investment Advisory Services offered through HBEC Incorporated, member FINRA SIPC, HBEC Incorporated, Kelch & Associates are unaffiliated companies, and this program is intended for Wisconsin residents only. Now, this day, here's Chris Conley. If taken by someone they weren't prescribed for, harm if accidentally taken by a child or pet, or overdose if they're not used as directed. Safely dispose of opioids before they can hurt your family. Find a drug take-back option such as medicine drop boxes. You may find these in your community at local pharmacies or police stations. Visit www.fda.gov slash drug disposal. And we're back here in the studio. 20 years of Merle Kelch. That sounds like a, a documentary that yeah, we should know, probably do, uh, right? True, and we actually have to say this, too. And, and I don't know if Behind you the music. Behind <laughs> the <laughs> microphone. Yeah, 20 years well, of Merle. You know, what's kind of funny is is we have said a long time is, is that the funnest part about doing the radio program, not only do I love doing the show itself, but the breaks that happen in the middle of the commercial are just a blast. Uh-huh. And i got to share one that happened in, in uh, November of 2016. Um, of course, Trump won the. That's the eerily specific. Yeah, yeah, well, really, it really is. I, Trump, I, I hesitate the, where this is going. Trump, Trump won the presidency, and so we come in to do the show, and I didn't say anything to Tom that Trump became his president. So I'm sitting here, and I'm sitting here, and I wouldn't say a word. We come through the first break, and finally Tom looks at me, and goes, "All right, just say it." <laughs> and I said, "And Trump's your president too." And there was a lot of swearing and stamping around. Uh-huh, and he yeah. held his breath for like two minutes, then the break came on. <laughs> Yes, we've had our political differences over the years, but most of them have been in between the segments of the show when the yeah. microphones are off. That's why think, we don't have cameras in the studio anymore. I think that'd be the best part. Yeah. You know, we got to say this, too, by the way, and I don't know if you knew this, um, but our good friend Mark Hadley, which is a friend of both of ours, it's his 83rd birthday today. and so Happy him, birthday, Mark. Happy, happy birthday, Mark. Birthday. So send him a text, send him an email, give him a call. And wish him a happy 83rd birthday. You know, he doesn't look a day over 81. To be uh-huh. with you. Yeah, all right. I let's mean, go he's... Let's go to the phone here this morning. Maybe it's uh, him calling in right now. Good morning. Who are we talking to? Talking to Tom. Go ahead, Tom. You're on with the gang. Um, got a call for, uh, I believe, Alan. Um, I bought my mother's house on a life estate in 2004. I uh, told her she could live there for the rest of her life. And she managed real well until last year when I had to put her in an assisted living. Now I am selling the property, uh, and she's still alive. Are there any things I need need to be aware of with the title company or the sale because of that life estate purchase? Yeah, the uh, I, I think the, the you do have a number of things. Now, there's a difference, and all the people out there, when you hear the word life estate, I would say the overwhelming majority of the time we hear about this in the context of someone uh, uh, receives the house as a gift 
and a parent keeps a life estate. And if that's the case, and for anyone out there who's done this, and for most of those people, it should be before 2014, because there was a major law change in 2014 about life estates. But if you did it before then, even if a parent needs assisted living or nursing home care or just isn't living there anymore, um, you should not sell it until after that parent passes away, unless you want to pay a significant amount of of tax. There, there's a couple of different kinds of tax, kind of akin to the, the capital gains tax. So I would say in that case, if you received it by gift, just do not sell uh, unless you are prepared to pay a significant tax. When, when you buy a house and she keeps a life estate or she keeps the right to live there, you know, really what you're doing is you are just buying investment property. Uh, the, the way that you avoid tax on a home sale is if you have lived in it and you have owned it at least two years out of the last five years. So it's the type of thing where you are selling a house you, you didn't live in, and uh, but you did own. So the IRS says you don't qualify for that. So really what ends up happening is you are going to be uh, subject to whatever kind of tax is is over and above, or really whatever kind of revenue, whatever kind of purchase price that, that you collect from this, over and above what you paid for it back in 2004. So just take a look at that. That is your investment gain, and you will be paying taxes on that. Uh, your mom also may be subject to some income tax because she still has a right to live there. You know, even though she's not living there, depending on how you you term that, she may have a right to live there. And a lot of this just hinges on exactly how that's worded. There's a couple different ways you can word it on the deed and on the agreement. So I, I think this one is uh, this is our, our second call for a CPA this morning. Um, just make sure that you get a a CPA. Make sure it's a good one. Um, who understands all of those, um, not just, uh, this isn't TurboTax material, you know, get somebody who's good with that. But uh, yeah, you will be having a tax consequence. And maybe that's okay. Maybe you say, I'd, I'd rather pay the tax and not have to carry this house and pay the property taxes and the carrying costs and all of those things. But uh, but it will not be tax-free. So. Well, I was considering doing, a, I believe it's a 1031 exchange um, for some other property sure. um, on this, with this purchase. And Again, in 04, I gave her fair market value. She had the cash. That you know, It was kind of like a reverse mortgage. I, I felt that, you know, it, it would be a benefit to her to have that money right, right then, and she could live in the house with no rent for the rest of her life. Well, circumstances were that she couldn't live there anymore. She's 83. Right. Um, so um, it was a cash purchase. She got the money. Um, and the 1031 exchange, I believe, I can reduce some of that that capital gain responsibility. Yeah, depending on what you what you buy, just make sure that when you follow the 1031 rules, you know you have to do it. You have to get a qualified intermediary. Um, you have to follow the 45 day rule and the six month rule for the 1031. You, know, you can't identify the property uh, within a certain period. You know, follow all those because they're very strict about it. But uh, but but keep in mind, yeah, that that. That might help your income tax. Your mom, though, if it truly is a life estate, and again, sometimes people use the word life estate, and, and the person who, who created that for you might have a different interpretation of it. But if it is a true life estate, that that I would just figure out your mom's tax consequence because she still owns part of the, if it's a life estate, she has a right to to some portion of the ownership of that house, and that the right is the right to occupy it. So just take a look at it ahead of time. Okay, thank you. All right, thanks for the call. 715-845-2155. We've got a few minutes left if you have a question for either of the guys here. You talked about accountants a lot here, and we always uh, talked for years about the three-legged stool, the investment advisor, the uh, estate planning And attorney. the radio announcer. And, yes, Bob, yeah, I'm the, uh, the, the useless leg of the stool when it comes to this stuff, but the CPA. Do you guys have like a secret 
uh, place where you gather and with secret codes and handshakes and everything in order to meet to to plan your takeover of the world? Well, yeah, we uh, you know, do a lot of like, oh, <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff, and uh, wear robes and. Well, the importance of having all three and not just one or two or or try to do stuff yourself. I mean, as Alan said, it's not TurboTax material. It's some in some places and and. Merle, we've talked about oh, yeah. you know the idea of investing yourself and using Robinhood or one of these other things and doing stuff on your phone. Sometimes it doesn't work that well. Right. I think I think between you know accountants, CPAs, and attorneys and financial advisors, we all have certain things that we all know a little bit about each part of our each one of ours, our uh, our disciplines, for lack of a better term, I guess. Um, but I know enough about the the state planning work to know that okay, uh, talk to Alan. You know, I know enough about uh, the CPA stuff that I know you have to have, you know, this has to be done in this type of a manner. I don't know the exact rules. See the CPA. And, and you guys probably have to find the same thing. You know, we, we'll get calls from CPA saying, well, see Merle, he knows how to unravel that or that kind of stuff and, and vice versa. But but I think having people that know people and know that that's the case and you have those three instead of your life makes sure that you're going to navigate these waters uh, through retirement the best you can. Versus for, most people, your own. for most people, for most people, the money that it would cost to have all three of you uh, is well spent that you're going to save in the long run by having you guys do this stuff as opposed to doing it themselves. Yeah. I'll give a yeah. plug for the CPAs and the financial advisors, you know, uh, and this is Alan speaking that, that, you know, I always say this, a, a good CPA is worth their weight in gold and they will save you so much more money than you would ever spend on them. Uh, and, and that's just been borne out over and over and over again. And I think for the financial advisors as well, you know, we can take a look at at any um, really legitimate, unbiased view at this, and they will they will show you that uh, uh, you know people who invest on their own do it for less internal cost, as Merle pointed out, uh, but their returns are so much less than working with a good professional, just because of the timing of when they do it and the discipline to do it and the psychology that is just not a part of it. And the I, I always say, especially as you get closer and closer to retirement, they are so much more valuable getting close to retirement and certainly in retirement, um, valuable at any time, but but they are, they are really earned their salt then. So, Well, 20 years in, uh, you doing this another 20 years? There's a long you should, sigh. You should see the look on it. You should see the look on his face, folks. You're, you're going to have to get a studio on the first floor and widen studio the doors. On the first floor, yeah, yeah. Because there's yeah. going to have to be some sort of a wheelchair. Alan, you're pushing, I guess. I, I think, and, uh, you know, 20 years from now, Tom, I'm thinking I might just go down to work in four days a week. Right, I right, think, right. I'm take Fridays if, off in 20, 20 years, years from now, yeah. you're going to be doing it with a different host, too, because I'm probably not going to be around. Probably, yeah, being the operative word. Well, all right. It's, so you're, it's, so you're saying there's a hope. In 20 years, we're all meeting at this address. Yeah. It's right. probably going to be a different building, but we're going to meet here 20 years from now, and we're all going to have a cup of coffee and donuts once again. All right. All right. Well, we're out of time for today. If folks want to get a hold of both of you guys on Monday, how can they do that? I would say uh, for the uh, the attorney side of it, uh, we have an office on the west side of Wausau. The easiest way is to call us. It's 715-843-5001, or just uh, contact us at haugumlaw.com, H-O-U-G-U-M, haugumlaw.com. And uh, for us, of course, visit us always, 3rd Avenue and Bridge Street. Stop it in for a cup of coffee and that whole bit, and uh, give us a call locally, 715-849-3600. Toll free outside of the Wasa area at 866-355-5100 or visit us online at kelchinassociates.com. All right, you're taking those donuts with you, by the way. I'm, uh, I, Alan I, is. He nope. has kids. All Let's right, all right. Farm. All right, it's coming up on 9 o'clock. We've got the news on the way. The Polka Show is coming up as well. And uh, all right here on WSAU. Don't forget Badger basketball. He won last night. They'll play tomorrow afternoon against Baylor, and you can hear the game here. Tip set for 140 on WSAU. The opinions voiced on this show are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. 
To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your attorney, accountant, financial advisor, or tax advisor prior to investing. This show contains forward-looking statements that may not come true. Securities and Investment Advisory Services offered through HBEC Incorporated, member FINRA SIPC, HBEC Incorporated, Kelch & Associates are unaffiliated companies, and this program is intended for Wisconsin residents only. ADHD. It's the child who can't pay attention or sit still in school, right? The answer may be yes. Attention Deficit Hyper...